0: to so I'm writing a novel's one year anniversary episode. I try my best to make every episode stand on its own so you don't have to like go through the whole archive to get what you're listening to. But for reasons that will become very obvious very quickly, this episode is impossible <laughs> to do that with. So if this is your very first episode, hey, maybe you want to hear the behind the scenes of how the whole show was made first <laughs> before you hear the show proper. Otherwise, I would strongly suggest checking out either the very first episode or you can go to sumwritinganovel.com so and go to the new listeners page for a bunch of tips on how to navigate it to find something that might be of interest to you, whether it's an interview or a specific topic in my discussion of writing the novel. Yeah. Anyway, not a good one for new people. For those of you who listened to the show before, thank you for coming back. Thank you for continuing to listen. I really appreciate it. So, yes, this is kind of a meta episode for the show, given that the program is already a behind the scenes program. <laughs> about my writing my sword and sorcery novel still untitled don't worry and this is going to be the behind the scenes of the show itself as well as kind of a check-in of like you know how it started how is it going kind of thing i'm going to talk about audience growth and all the stuff that's been involved with that and how it's gone i'm going to talk possibly too much about patreon but i'm also going to explain why i'm going to talk about it as much as i will i'm also going to talk about maybe new goals for the coming year of the podcast And then the episodes themselves, what goes into them, what I've done, what I'd like to do, that kind of thing. Finishing with a final verdict to the question of, will I continue doing this podcast? And under what circumstances might it stop? And under what circumstances might it go on forever? Let's find out. Okay. Oh yes, transition music. This is something I kind of wanted to mess with from the beginning, but ultimately chose not to. And maybe I won't do it again. Maybe this is going to be a one-off, but I want to keep experimenting with the show within the bounds of time and energy and good taste. I started serious work on brainstorming what this podcast was going to be and how it was going to go on April 27th of 2021 and launched it on my birthday, June 14th. In that time, I did a lot of brainstorming and I did a lot of running stuff by friends. Thank you, friends, if you're hearing this. And I recorded, then re-recorded the pilot for something like 3.5 times, getting feedback on every single draft and taking detailed notes on that feedback. I'm glad I did, to be honest, as episode one gets the most downloads by a tidy margin. So it's my main ambassador for the show. I would encourage anybody looking to start a podcast to take their first episode that seriously, though don't veer into letting perfectionism be the enemy of actually completing anything. I took it that seriously in part because I knew from my own podcast listening habits that, yeah, the first episode was probably going to go this way, it was going to be the most listened to, it was going to be the ambassador of the show, all that good stuff, but also because... I knew that this was going to be something that would take a decent amount of time and energy. So if I was going to do it, I really wanted to make sure I got the most out of it possible because at the end of the day, the podcast is not the thing, right? My novel I'm writing is the thing. And then this is like grafted onto that. One of the challenges of this project has definitely been trying to remember what is the thing (laughs) and being careful about grafting more things onto the other things, you know, from book to podcast to patreon to promoting the podcast which is promoting the novel but sometimes you know you get a little lost in the weeds and ah. so as a result though i can safely say i am continuing to enjoy making the show very much and feel i have definitely benefited by it you know no regrets really i do think it's worth doing this kind of real assessment of whether the project is worth continuing or if i should drop it to just focus on writing the book more quickly What will be my decision? Keep listening to find out. Ooh, that's what we call a hook. So, okay, show appraisal part one audience growth. Right? At the end of the day, I want to get more and more people listening to this because that way more and more people hear about the book and are getting invested in it and excited and will ideally want to buy it when it finally comes out and tell other people to buy it too. In terms of raw numbers or numbies, as I have become obsessed with referring to them, uh, thanks to different podcasts I listen to. Anime sickos! The show's audience has roughly doubled since I launched it. Uh, June was a hard month to measure, so I go by July and August, which were the first couple of complete months of the show operating. Comparing the kinds of totals I got there to the ones I've gotten in the most recent months as of my recording this on May 20th, for every episode that I release within a month, I average 500 downloads. I have to phrase it that way because I did four a month until the end of last year, and I was like, I'm slowing down to two, but I actually did three in January, and then I did three again <laughs> a couple months later. So it's all a bit higgledy-piggledy, and I have to go roughly by, you know, the total divided by the amount of episodes in order to get something kind of measurable. Anyway, that's not too shabby. I don't know exactly how many unique downloaders that represents and how many of them are people who have been around from the beginning versus just joined up. There's just no way for me to measure that. My first episode to hit 100 downloads in its first week of being online was episode 13, the one on research. And then it was like, you know, a couple didn't, and then another one did, and then one didn't, and then a few more did, and then one didn't, and then like seven in a row did, and so on and so forth. Until, starting with January of this year, with my story consultation, episode 30, with Nat Webb, every single episode has been comfortably above 100, and a couple have come close to 200. Now here's a bit of important context for why I'm really paying attention to Patreon, and for reasons that don't actually have to do with the dollars. There are, is no consistent metric for where this places me in the grand hierarchy of podcasts not one that i can find you know according to one i've been looking at going by how many downloads you get in the first week hey awesome i'm comfortably in the top 25% of all podcasts across the land and if i can get it to like 231 downloads in the first week for each new episode ooh i'm up in the top 10% but if i look at a different metric that i also checked out which goes by how many new downloads an episode gets in the first 30 days, then I'm comfortably in the top 50%, which, hey, better than the bottom 50, but like, what does that mean? I don't know. And there's a lot of podcasts. But so because there doesn't seem to be like one official standard for measuring where you sit in the grand hierarchy of podcasts, and because I can't track how many unique listeners I have, I can only look at the downloads, This doesn't feel like the best metric. I'm going to keep tracking it because it's fun and it does tell me something. You know, it is steadily growing. I must be getting more listeners, even if I don't know exactly how many there are. But yeah, uh, I'll get into, you know, why. Uh, But like I say, I think Patreon patrons is a much better way of measuring the success of this project in that regard, in terms of raw numbers. But first, I'm going to tell you about what I've been doing to try and increase the audience size. Spending on advertising feels unwise (laughs) given my results with facebook ads which i messed around with a little bit you know 20 bucks here 30 bucks there last summer i mean i could break it all down for you but i could also just save us both a lot of time and say that the results stank and i never want to do it again now there are some other ways of advertising spending money on that of course one of them is paying for advertising space in the middle of or at the end of a very popular podcast and i looked into that for a couple that made sense to me It was pretty expensive. One in particular quoted, I remember, $450 for a single ad in a single episode. Whew. I mean, they have a big audience, but I do not have a big budget. Interviews. Now, I always plan to do interviews, and I like doing them for a whole bunch of reasons. But frankly, guests bring their fans to the show, and some of them end up liking the show enough to stick around. So doing interviews is a good way of building your audience. No secret there. And if you can get an interview with somebody with like a bajillion fans, then hopefully, you know, a percentage of that bajillion will stick with you. And that'll be the most beneficial as opposed to interviewing Bob, the guy that nobody knows. That being said, Bob, the guy that nobody knows may know a lot about a very interesting piece of subject matter that you really want to talk about on your show and that people might find so interesting. They go, this is very cool. And they share it with other people, which is why like within the bounds of my limitations of my ability to get quote-unquote, big-name guests, I at least aspire to do kind of a one-for-me, one-for-them thing, where I want to get a big-name guest that I would actually genuinely want to talk to, but get that big-name guest to put bums in seats, and then also try and get a guest who maybe is less exposed that I would like to help build their audience, right? Like maybe a lesser-known author, or just, as I say, someone who's just interesting to me, and then have both them and myself benefit from the bums-in-seats guests. How do you get the bums and seats guests? Well, you ask and maybe you get lucky. Overall, I find it comes down to, you know, my experiences in both podcasts that I do, This and Unknown Worlds of the Mineral Collection, it just comes down to connections. And even then, that can be tricky when you're dealing with someone who has representation. I won't name names, but there is a very popular fantasy author who I was lucky enough to have a friend of theirs in my sphere. That friend reached out on my behalf. The author sounded totally on board, but protocol dictated that they do things through the representation i have been emailing their reps for a couple months to no avail because i probably look like what i am which is relatively small potatoes in the grand scheme of things and therefore quote-unquote not worth the time of that big name author i don't really know how to get around that other than to just keep slowly but surely building my audience and working my connections and meeting new people including actually my interview guests bless them one or two of which have actually hooked me up with guests I then later had. If you're tight friends with a big name author, a big mucky muck at some publishing house or whatever, I don't know, Brad Pitt, I'll have him on the show. I'll find a reason to justify it. <laughs> then please reach out because that'd be a great way to support the show. <laughs> Tweeting. It's its fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's best with interviews as well, actually, because then I can tag the guests. Hopefully they have a Twitter account. Most authors do. And that encourages them to retweet. And so again, bringing their audience over to my thing my account is still pretty small but is slowly growing i try to use it to promote work by past guests and to share nifty things now and again but at the end of the day the twitter account is a thing on top of the podcast which is a thing on top of the book and so i just don't really have the bandwidth to get heavy duty into analytics and so on and like build the twitter account so yeah if you have a huge twitter account and want to link me to your fans again great way to support the show thank you Now, Facebook advertising may be a relative waste of time unless you have buckets of money to throw away, but sharing the episodes of the show on Facebook groups dedicated to relevant subject matter, mainly sword and sorcery ones, as you can imagine, has actually been pretty handy, as has been sharing it around on Reddit. However, I do feel sometimes like I'm hitting the limits of what I can do in that, and that means, I don't know... uh, Maybe I need to do more episodes on things not related to sword and sorcery, but related to other popular genres. Science fiction certainly has a huge foothold on Facebook. But there are limits to that as well. I mean, if I really wanted to make this show, you know, big in terms of places I could share it, I would call it, so I'm ranting about politics and pop culture, (laughs) not writing a novel. It's also worth pointing out that some very popular advice to give to creators in general, writers in particular, is, you know, if you want to promote your stuff, Make sure you get really genuinely involved with the communities where you're promoting it. And that makes a lot of sense, right? You don't want to be a human spam bot, I've talked about that before. It's also a great way to be ignored and a great way to drag down the quality of any community you participate in. That being said, there's only so much time in the day, and if you want to actually write the stuff you want to promote, whew, boy, you know, yeah, it can get pretty tight. I find I'm very active in the Whetstone Tavern, which has been mentioned on here many times, Discord. And to a lesser degree, the Facebook groups and the Reddit groups. But if I tried to be as active and engaged in all of the different places I want to promote this stuff as I am, say, the Whetstone Tavern, I would not only have no time to write, I would have no time to sleep. So, you know, I experiment a little bit in trying to make what I can do more effective, you know, in terms of how I phrase things, how I try and make the posts you know, really hook people. I find hashtags just kind of make you look a little tryhard <laughs> in terms of your posts, and also they don't really attract anybody except maybe bots and people who want you to pay them to promote you. So yeah. However, I have played around a little bit with things called audiograms, which basically what an audiogram is, is you can go use an app usually for free, pay if you want to make a lot of them, I suppose, to just kind of take a clip of your podcast put a few images over it, or maybe just one, including like an audiogram along the bottom, you know, the little sine wave thing that visualizes the sound of your voice coming out, and it just kind of extracts, exports, poops out a little video in exactly the shape you want to put it on TikTok or Twitter or Instagram. And I've done that for a few episodes, and it's fun, and I gotta say thus far, it's not worth the time and effort to make them, and they don't take that long to make If there's a secret I'm missing, I'm wide open to it. I'm wide open to information. But yeah, audiograms, they're fun. But I think there's a reason that I see way fewer podcasts using them than I did a year ago. And of the people who are still doing them, it tends to be kind of like celebrity vanity project podcasts where they probably have staff they can pay. And hey, whatever, why not do it? Oh, one thing I forgot to mention about online communities, when you get really big ones, for example, the Reddit, you know, r slash fantasy, they understandably have very strict rules about self-promo that can make it difficult for creators like myself to promote their work it does do its job of helping prevent those communities from becoming wastelands of just authors with really shoddy looking you know cover self pub ebooks that were written in like a week you know from ruining the quality of the place by just yelling buy my book buy my book buy my book but it does also reinforce the whole thing where only the big stuff you know the marvel movie level kind of stuff gets promoted to the biggest audiences because anybody who's a fan of you know the latest big fantasy novel will come in and say, hey, check out this big, well-established fantasy author. But the small authors, by nature of being smaller and less well-known, are far less likely to get promoted at random by fans. So if you're a fan of a smaller creator, like me and this podcast, or seriously anybody at all, the best thing you can do is find one of those huge, like, one million-plus base communities, either on Facebook or Reddit or wherever and go and be like, hey, check out this thing. It's really cool. I am in no way involved with it other than being a fan. Now, earlier I talked about spending on advertising. I have been lucky enough to get some free ads placed in a couple of sword and sorcery magazines. Neither have come out as of this time of recording, but by the time you hear this, I think the ad in one of the smaller ones will be out so it'll be interesting to see the effect that has in a comparable vein along the lines of free advertising there is reaching out to the big websites that talk about the thing you do and in my case sword and sorcery slash podcasting and writing and trying to get them to cover you and part of what you can do to make that easier is to make something called a press kit which i can talk about for the next hour but google press kit there's all kinds of examples it's basically just like a package of facts about your show that make it a lot quicker and easier for any journalist or blogger or whoever to write about your show because they can just grab a bunch of stuff out of that and they don't have to do any research lets them do their job more easily and the more easy you make their job the more inclined they might be to do their job in the sense of writing about you i have had the show covered on blackgate.com which was a nifty little boost thank you seth Lindbergh, for writing that article and I would like to look into more places covering the show, but again, bandwidth, right? So I don't know if I can find the time and energy. And again, if you want to help out the show, which, sorry, is something you're going to hear me say a lot this episode, it's something I'm allowing myself to do. It's my birthday, gosh darn it. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you know someone who is at like bookriot.com or any of the other big sites and can hook me up, that would be great. The last two things I've been doing to promote the show is guesting on other podcasts. Honestly, I've only done this once for each of my podcasts, but it makes a difference. It's also fun as hell, and I really want to do more of it, if only for that reason. Finally, encouraging listeners to spread the good word. It is as important as people say, honestly, but the inherent tension is I don't want to irritate my listeners with too many calls to action, to use the marketing term. Also saying stuff like calls to action. But on the other hand, if you never ask or you never mention it, then people will be far less inclined to do it. And there's often a lot of people who are like, oh. I can do X to help out this thing I like? I never would have thought of that, but now you mention it, sure, why not? So there you go. I do try hard not to be exhausting because I myself have been exhausted by a few online creators who get too vigorous in doing that. However, as I say, it's my birthday by the time this episode has come out, and so I'm letting myself indulge a little bit in, well, directly asking. <laughs> Related to both spreading the show and the Patreon, which I'm just about to get to. But first, what do I plan to do going forward. Honestly, more of all of the above minus the online ad buys and probably minus the audiograms to be honest though i may do one or two more they are kind of fun i'm also thinking and this is something i've been thinking about actually since the very beginning of the show but it just hasn't been worth doing yet about using twitch which for those who don't know is the most popular place online to do live streaming video yeah i've been thinking actually from the very beginning of this project about using twitch but also thinking that it will probably be more relevant once i get to writing the first draft because that won't give me a heck of a lot To talk about in the podcast, but maybe I could do like writing sprints for an hour. And while I'm doing that, have it be like an ask me anything. And then I could even record the audio of that and throw it up on the podcast if that works. I don't know. Cut out the wide gaps between questions. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't know. Maybe something really big will come to me. Maybe I'll have a big wallop of money land in my lap and I'll want to spend it on billboards around my home city of Toronto. Who knows? I don't know. Let's move on to Patreon. See, should I do little musical transitions between sections as well, or just between the intro and, like, the rest of the episode? Mmm, feels like too much to do it in sections as well, but you tell me. Anyway, (laughs) Patreon. I have a lot to say about Patreon. Patreon is often seen as kind of the sub-thing. You bolt onto the actual thing. Let me tell you, it is a whole goddamn thing. And if you aren't careful, it will become the thing. So, metrics. I publicly disclose my number of patrons, but not dollars that I am earning because, frankly, I am poor and feel shame about money. Privately, I track money as well as patrons, of course. True story. While I am not drowning in patrons and would certainly love more, always you would want more, I feel okay with this number because with the amount of income they bring in, within about three months, I can cover the running costs of this project and keep it going. Growth. So is 11 more than I had to start? Yes. Not by a lot, but not nothing. After a mystery guy who signed up on day one, then dropped before the second month's uh, payment, I don't know, why he just wanted to give it a little boost at the beginning, I guess, Um, only one patron has dropped, so a net gain has been had. There's a lot of advice, including from Patreon itself, to update your Patreon like mad and really hard sell your Patreon to people who follow you. This strikes me as madness, when your audience is small and you're still trying to build it. The reasons for me feeling this is madness are twofold. First. You get an email every time you get an update on Patreon. Now, I think you can fiddle your settings so that changes, but most people would rather just go, eh, and drop the support than change their settings. So why would you as a creator want to both make more work for yourself and make it less appealing to be a patron of you because you're spamming people's inboxes? Even if it's with really great stuff, it's still a lot more email, a lot more things for them to have to deal with. Email is a task at the end of the day. The other reason, I think, at least when you're at the stage where I am and have been for this last year, uh, that it's wise to focus on audience growth versus telling the audience you have over and over and over and over, and over, you know, hey, man, come on, I got lots of shiny stuff on the Patreon. Come on, come on, Patreon, Patreon is that people will warm up to you over time and maybe eventually decide that they're really invested enough and want to support you, or they might come across you and have a few extra bucks and go, you know what, I'm going to support this guy right now. What I find is very rare is if someone just gets like the equivalent of a billboard shoved in their face enough times in a short period of time that they go, you know what, I do want to give money to this person. They're not annoying me. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, that's not been my experience ever in my entire life, from either side of the equation. But of course, if you never mention the bloody thing, then people won't know it's there or they'll forget about it or whatever. So what do you do? I think I'm going to try and be more particular and effective, hopefully, (laughs) in how I mention it. So I'm thinking what I'm going to do is something a couple of podcasts I really love do. And that's just mention it once right up front at the beginning of the episode and mention that this is what keeps the show going because it is. I mean, even if I had a lot more money to burn, I don't need another thing where I spend money on it and get little or nothing back. That's the novel, (laughs) which I say with no bitterness. I'm just, you know, why would I need a second thing like that? So yes, instead of mentioning it sort of buried in a bunch of details at the end of the episode, like I've been doing this whole past year, I'm going to mention it up front once and I'm going to say this is what allows me to do the podcast. Although perhaps a better phrasing in terms of accuracy would be this Patreon allows me to justify continuing this podcast. Now, of course, I say this, you know, about how podcasts that I really like will tend to mention out front just once. And they will tend to have also, I should add, very simple Patreons. They won't have a whole mess of, you know, bonuses. They'll have maybe like an extra podcast episode per month or something very simple like that. Often, sometimes nothing at all, just the joy of supporting them. But then I can think of at least one other extremely popular podcast that I really like, which for the longest time did podcast ads in the middle of their episodes and had a lot of stuff and was always you know being like, hey, we got a new thing, we got a new thing going on. But then again, that was a project which had a whole team of people. I am but one man, so I should probably size this appropriately to myself, which is why I've kept the rewards fairly straightforward. And I might introduce a new one when I think of something that I really want to do that people might really like. If there's something you would really like as a Patreon reward, let me know, I'm curious to know what people think. But yeah, there's no one path success as with practically everything else on planet Earth, so yeah, you can't read all this stuff as easily as a thermometer, instead it's more like a Rorschach test, in that you also can't help staring at metrics and assorted factors without wondering if you're looking at someone getting screwed or not. Waka waka. Patreon also encourages special offers and a kind of soft relaunch, but I'm unsure how to do either. I just haven't had an idea yet that feels good enough. And if there's one instinct I've tried to follow, it's that until you have that idea that feels good enough, really good for whatever it is you want to do, don't do it. That's how I traded the podcast itself. I liked the idea of doing a podcast for a long time before I launched this sucker, and I even did kind of a test in the form of the Unknown Worlds of the Merrill Podcast, whose first season came out a few months before I launched this thing, and which I produced with Chris Dickey over the previous year or two. So yes, those Patreon rewards. I think people ultimately just want to support the main thing, and the rewards which tie to that are the best. I feel this way because of feedback from the patrons I have, and also because of my experiences with crowdfunding, where more than a few people will just donate the money and be like, Man, I just want the main project, I don't need all the little extra add-ons that you put in there because you're nervous people won't donate unless you promise them goodies on top of goodies. I will say, I have noticed that a lot of authors will put up early drafts of the chapters of their work, and that will become relevant to me when I finish the outlining. But uh, I don't know some I've heard some publishers are okay with that and some publishers will feel like, oh, well, they've already given away their book. I do not want to publish this author. So definitely as I move forward with interviews in the coming year, I want to reach out to more publishers and talk to them about a lot of things, including that. I've also had it suggested by a friend that I do something kind of like office hours where people can, you know, pay at the highest tier, and then they get so much of my time each month if they want to consult me about their own writing. If that's something you think you'd be interested in, that's something I'd be interested in doing, especially because listener questions kinda chugged along a little bit and then died, and I like answering people's questions. Ultimately, I've thought of how 1% or so of an audience will support a Patreon, and I've also thought about that 10,000 true fans theory. Where, you know, you don't need a kabillion people following you, you need 10,000 true fans who will always buy the new book, let's say, and that will hopefully be enough to keep you supported. So, instead of banging on the Patreon explicitly, I've tried to focus on growing the audience in general while producing work, which will get listeners invested in what I am making that doesn't just mean quote-unquote good stuff. I've seen all kinds of technically good things and never wound up supporting them. It means to me connecting with people, which is why I've taken gambles on being more open about myself on the show and also experimented with things like the story consultation episodes, which encourage people to connect with the guests I had on a little more, I think, than a regular interview. And I will admit, I'm also hoping that now I can say, hey, I've been doing this for a year and I'm absolutely going to keep going with this book. Please support this podcast so I can keep going with that. You know, I hope that that will encourage people now there's a proof of work and effort into getting on the patreon train i think this way because i did a couple of crowdfunding campaigns in the past for the same project a web series i did called sweet fever the first campaign i did after we only had a trailer because we needed money to help us finish filming the whole season we got some money and you know what it helped us finish filming the first five episodes but then we still needed money for the more ambitious six episode so we came around and did a second campaign And there we could point to the five episodes we had at that point released and people could go, oh, okay, this is what the thing is. This is what it looks like. They're doing it. All right. And you know what? That time we not only got what we were going for, we got 150% of what we were going for. It was great. So you see what I'm getting at here, right? I am hoping the same dynamic will kind of be replicated here, encouraging people to get on the Patreon train a little more because they can see what I've done thus far. Okay, we're coming around the bend on Patreon with goals. Now, there are literal goals you can see on the Patreon page. Currently, they are hosting, you know, covering the basic expenses of running this thing, which is reached. Then there's episode transcriptions. I would still really like to do that to make this thing more accessible. There's software that helps make that a lot easier to do than literally sitting down and typing everything out, which I just do not have time to do. Getting there, getting close. Then there's having a bit more money to upgrade the podcast and invest in the novel, things like art or paying for an editor, both goals of mine over the next while. And then beyond that, I wouldn't mind having enough money to at least give a little honorarium to guests. I mean, they're giving me their time. I think I'd like to pay them for it. And after that, wow, we get to the really lofty stuff of maybe, you know, I would go back to three episodes a month because at that level of money, this podcast and actually writing would become my part-time job. And the loftiest goal of all four episodes a month, plus, uh, you know, writing is my full-time job, hooray! Now, Oliver, you did four episodes a month when you started, how could you do that? Well, partly because a lot of those episodes were not interviews, interviews are a lot more work, and they're also becoming a lot more part of the show, just works out that way, and also, frankly, I was underemployed and had a lot more time. Not a sustainable situation by definition. So yes, those are the publicly stated goals. Then there's the private goals. My private goal when I launched was to get enough money to make it sustainable, and that happened pretty quickly. Hurrah! Thank you, early supporters. Then my private goal for the coming year. What's that going to be? Well, we'll get there. First, there's kind of spending goals. Like I said, I would like to stash as much money away as I can for paying a story editor to go over the first draft of the novel, which I will be starting, I hope, soon paying illustrators for at least a full color cover and then as many black and white interior art inserts as I can possibly do, up to one for each of the 17 stories. If things really go wild, I'll probably replace my awful awful old IKEA desk which has cost me so many takes when I've been recording this because I lean on the sucker and it goes yeah, that noise, or a miserable sort of crackly thing, like an old man's bones. know, old man's bones that you're always leaning on when you're doing your podcast. So yeah, that's the general hopes and goals and wishes and whatnot. But there is one cardinal main goal with the Patreon, and I'm going to reveal that much closer to the end of this episode, because that ties directly into the whole continuing the show thing. So now let's move on to discussing the actual format of the show itself, the actual product. Hashtag content. So, the format. Well, I think I'm going to stop mentioning listener questions because they just don't seem to be coming in. If someone really wants to email me a question, they can do so and I'll answer it in the show. The music? Still love it. Thank you so much to Gloria Guns for making that wonderful music for the show. I think I'm going to keep the introduction that I used because this is still something of a high concept show. It's good to explain what the heck it is, but I think I'll rewrite it slightly to better represent what the show currently is and put in that Patreon mention I discussed. The back end, I think I need to just kind of relay the same information, but maybe kind of riff and improvise it a little bit so that it's more interesting to listen to. Otherwise, I wouldn't blame anybody for just going, oh, okay, this part, stop listening. And yeah, you know, while I've been editing this, I've gone back a few times and listened to that transition music. I rather like the idea of having transition music between the intro and the body so we're going to keep that unless people complain for some reason quantity of episodes for reasons given i'm going to keep it to two a month now as for the kinds of episodes while we have the novel episodes they don't generally get quite as many downloads as interviews but i also get strong positive responses to them I'm going to wait until I have a full quarter of the book written before I start putting them up again, so I don't have to break up the story outline episodes like I did with the second quarter, which I found a little frustrating. With the last two novel episodes, I started putting hooks at the top of the episode, explaining like, yeah, this one I'm going to hit these cool things and this interesting idea and have to deal with this curious problem. And some people have already told me that they liked that, so I reckon I'll keep them. Heck, if I'm smart, I should probably record the intro to my interviews after I've done the interviews so I can put some hooks into those as well. Well, will I be smart? Let's find out in the weeks to come. Speaking of interviews, everything I put in my little outline that I'm using to guide me here, I covered talking about promotion. Yeah, I'd like to break the catch-22 of needing to have big names to bring in an audience to get big enough to get big names. All I can think is incremental gains and talking with friends and trying to get connections, that kind of thing. And the one-for-me, one-for-them model that I rather like. One thing I haven't already mentioned about why this one for me, one for them thing is important to me is because without taking that kind of approach, well, you're going to participate in a phenomenon that basically makes it so that big people get talked about and small people don't. And so the big stay big and the small stays small. I'm going to link to an article in the show notes if you want to read more about that whole thing. It's called. Unsettling Futures, Brandon Sanderson, Fame, and The Failure of the Long Tale by Matthew Claxton, brought to my attention by Cora Bueller. Thank you, Cora. Then we have the story consultations. I only did two of them. I'd like to do more, specifically after doing a white guy named Nan, a white guy named Matt. I'd like to offer a free one. I mean, they were free to those two guys, but just to be clear, the story consultations, I don't charge the guests. Yeah, I'd like to offer a free one to the first, you know, POC and or LGBTQ plus writer who reaches out to me with a spec fic story 4,000 words long or less. Does not have to be, you know, fantasy or sword and sorcery, just something that is not literary fiction, which I am comfortable with, but don't feel comfortable enough to discuss on the show yet. When someone has taken me up on that, I will make a note of that in the show notes for this episode, so if you're listening to it long after it goes on air June 20th, 2022, you'll want to check the show notes to see whether or not this offer has already been taken. But yeah, the story consultations, are a little more work than a regular interview, but they are a lot of fun. I think people really enjoy them. They certainly seem to respond strongly to the both of the ones I've done so far. And yeah, they're advertising for my services as a freelance developmental editor who can help you with your story which I guess I just advertised right there, hoo-ha! Will there ever be some kind of mysterious new fourth kind of episode? Well, I have had it in mind that I would like to do a panel discussion, but so far that's been beyond me to organize on the subject or subjects that I have been thinking about, but maybe we'll have it down the line. I've also considered doing a live call-in show. You know, there's an app for doing that with podcasts, but I think I would need a much larger audience, not for it to just be my mum calling in and the sound of crickets. Okay, before I get to the final verdict, I'm going to address two very quick little items. The first is a bit of feedback I got on this episode, which, yes, just like the very first episode of the podcast, I chose to run by some trusted individuals. One such individual is a fan of the show that I always think of as Ashaguru because of his Whetstone Tavern Discord username. He explained to me how he's never done Patreon for anybody or anything. He thinks it's nice that it exists, but as a guy with a family and a mortgage, the idea of another recurring monthly bill, oof, you know, kind of, kind of a thing. And plus, unlike, say, Netflix or Nintendo Switch Online or something like that, it'd be purely for himself, not just, you know, not for his whole family. Fair, fair. He then said, one-time donations, like on Coffee or PayPal, are a lower hurdle. But even then, he would rather buy my book. In a similar vein, he also said, you know, the podcast is fun and educational, but if it's a tug of war between the podcast and your writing, I'd rather have the book than more podcast episodes. For the benefit of anyone else who feels the same way, I will answer this publicly in the show right now. Which is to say, I wouldn't ask anyone to contribute to the Patreon who doesn't feel comfortable doing so, regardless of the reason. So hey, it's all good. And yep, there's coffee and PayPal links on the Support the Show page. Meanwhile, I also would really love for you to buy the book, and to be able to read it as soon as possible. Absolutely, I would get it written faster if I wasn't doing the podcast. However, something I'll be talking about in more detail on the bonus Patreon podcast (laughs) eventually is how a huge part of what made me take this route is how my second book, my self-published YA coming-of-age story called Of Dyson Men, just fell into the, I'm going to swear, sorry, Fucking void. Feeling more like an incredibly labor-intensive blog post than a novel. And I desperately wanted to do something to prevent that happening with this book. So while I know I'm delaying the book a non-zero amount of time by doing the podcast, I also feel more motivated to work on it, because I feel like if I do go the self-pub route this time, still undecided, by the time that happens, I'll hopefully have an audience of people like yourself who will be way more likely to buy the damn thing, you know? As Ashiguro gamely admitted when we were discussing this in DMs on the Whetstone Tavern Discord, it's the podcast that made him aware I even existed and has built his interest in the book in the first place. The other small thing he brought up that I thought would be interesting to address here is, well, he said, you know, he's got his own interest in writing. And the podcast has been very interesting and educational, his words, not mine. But seeing the prodigious effort I've gone through to set up this whole mechanism to pave the way for the book is also intimidating. He kind of wants to write more, but does he have to do a whole weekly podcast with guests and commentary and stuff? Oof. He then linked me to an interesting tweet about how just maddening it is that a lot of young musicians are being pressured all the time to produce TikToks by their labels, as if that's the most important thing, not the music. A phenomenon which I agree is BS. So to anyone else who may be getting the same impression that he did, I would firmly say, no, you do not have to do what I'm doing. (laughs) Nobody ever has to do anything I'm doing. I can't stress that enough. Many times it's quite wise not to be doing what I'm doing. So yeah, I would just point out that me doing this podcast was also a product of my missing regularly connecting with and building an online audience and making new friends through that, as I did many years ago on YouTube, but also really not wanting to do the YouTube thing again, as well as trying to increase my feeling of agency over what I'm doing. Doing this makes me feel a little more in control, which is something I really value. And absolutely, the greater issue that tweet I was linked to highlights is something I would love to bring to publishers. Um, Honestly, one of several reasons I'd like the show to become big enough to have some real clout is so I could conceivably get someone at Tor or another big publisher to come on the show and directly ask them about this tension with publishers or music labels, asking authors to do a lot of promo for them when, like, we need them to help us promote our work because we're just lone individuals. And the whole, like, relying on lone individuals to create virality around their work thing is asking a lot and trying to make something that is very unpredictable a regularly enacted mechanism. So, okay, everything I just addressed with Ashigaru's feedback on this very episode, an earlier version thereof, was one of the two things. The other thing is, well, funny enough, you know how I mentioned, like, I haven't gotten any questions this year and I'm thinking about retiring even mentioning listener questions on the show. Guess what I got in my email, like, five seconds after I sent an early version of this episode off to Ask for feedback? A listener question (laughs) So, without further ado, here is a question from Ruby, sent in by email, read by my pal Christina, just to give you a break from the sound of my voice. So my question is, how do you discover a protagonist that you like? I always create my protagonists, write like 10 chapters, and then decide that I kinda hate them. I usually enjoy my antagonists more than any other character, which makes the story very difficult to write since it takes a while for my protagonist to meet my antagonist, and I need help. Okay, Ruby, first up, great question. Second. Oh, there's a few things I can say to this. I I think protagonists sometimes can wind up being quite dull because they are beholden to the plot. And occasionally when we're writing these protagonists, and I mean like anybody, you know, I'm thinking of some big, very successful shows, Buffy's kind of a go-to for this, where the protagonist can wind up becoming kind of the dullest character of the bunch because being beholden to the plot, They often do things that are, yeah, kind of, you know, they're things their character would do, but they're also things their character needs to do uh, for the story, not for themselves. And so that doesn't feel as engaging. And also, they don't have the freedom that secondary characters have to just be the wacky one or whatever, or the freedom the antagonists have to be really arch-camp-crazy, whatever, you know, kind of characters. So an obvious answer to your dilemma would be to suggest that you look at what you really like about your antagonists and consider giving those qualities to your protagonist. Another thing would be to consider letting your protagonist do things that you would normally only let an antagonist do. For example, Think about the classic villain speech, right? Ooh, ha, ha! this is my plan, I'm going to do these things, you watch out. And then think about how badass it is in the much rarer occasion when a hero essentially gives their own version of that, explaining to the villains just how boned they are because, oh, you thought you were winning, but actually I put this cool plan into motion and here's how it's all going kind to of come together, and as they finish the speech or even before, the effects of them telling the villain how boned they are just start kicking in, you know, the villain's base starts exploding or whatever. I'd also recommend letting your protagonist be the wacky one and other things that secondary characters tend to rule over. Because at the end of the day, like, I don't think we consciously think to ourselves, oh, the protagonist can't be wacky or, oh, the protagonist can't give a villain style speech. We just kind of box them in from conditioning we've received from most of the stories we've consumed over the entirety of our lives. And also because, as I say, we tend to have the plot really in mind when we're writing them. I would also stress these things are not exclusive to each other. You could have your protagonist push the plot forward, perhaps by doing something wacky, (laughs) or by giving a villain speech or whatever. Finally, I would recommend really spending some time outlining your protagonist and antagonist before you write those 10 chapters that start your book, because perhaps in that outlining you could figure out, oh wait a minute, I like the antagonist more, maybe I'm going to make this book about them. And part of that could be writing a sample scene of those two characters together just for yourself to figure things out and to write it immediately rather than waiting until you've done 10 chapters. Sidebar, I know this is unsolicited, I would recommend experimenting with having your antagonist show up sooner, maybe even having them be the very first chapter, like a teaser in a film, you know, who's this person, what are they up to? Anyway, let's check in on Billy Protagonist or Janie, you know, whatever, you get the idea. Okay, you know what, answering that was really fun, and if anybody else wants to send in listener questions, preferably, I must admit, I do really love it when people record it like an audio file on their phone and send me that so I can cut it in like a radio show, but honestly, anything will do. Love answering questions. Okay, now it's time for the final verdict. Is he going to continue the show? Has he already kind of given that away? Well, (laughs) I promise I handle foreshadowing and payoffs way better in my actual fiction. Yes, I am. I've enjoyed doing it. I've really enjoyed the connections I've made with it. And I've even made, I would dare to say, some new friends through doing the podcast. All lovely stuff. And those connections may benefit me down the road. I've already had some very kind people offer to be beta readers. I have people I think I could call upon to help me with the struggle to find a publisher when that comes along. Yeah. That's pretty valuable in ways that are not measurable vis-a-vis metrics and dollars. Yes, and no joke, while the last year and more has been challenging for achieving things one wants to achieve and has been isolating from my fellow man, which I'm a big old extrovert, so that's a thing, this podcast has been really good for my mental health. That said, as ever, I need to remember that the novel is the thing, and I also am wary for reasons I actually mentioned in a previous episode where Nat Webb showed up, his literary magazine one, uh, number 40, Due to past experiences I do want to be more mindful and more like you know checking in periodically like is this thing I'm doing worth continuing doing, even if it feels really great while I'm doing it. So while I have every reason to believe at the moment that it will, if the show doesn't have like decent continued growth after the next six months so by the end of 2022 and it isn't bringing notable additional side benefits like growing more useful relationships with other creators or review sites, publishers, etc then I may have to consider axing it or scaling it back so I can focus more on the novel. But I don't want that to happen, and will be actively doing my best to make the situation improve in the ways I want it to. In my fantasies, this podcast goes right through to, as I say in the intro of the show, publication and promotion, and maybe even a second season about the next novel. And for reasons I've given to do with how measuring the audience is very tricky and how this show really in a large part was born out of my frustration with not having more money to invest in my career as a writer and to invest in the careers of other artists, like by paying visual artists, editors, etc. That means that Patreon growth is going to be what will primarily determine whether or not I keep going. There are some you know, significant factors on the side, but that's the biggie. To be clear, I'm not trying to guilt you or extort you, nor do I feel entitled to anything specifically, I just want to continue being as transparent as I can, it's not 100% because I think everybody deserves a little bit of privacy, but I try to be really transparent with the show, and this is me being honest and transparent about what will be the determining factor moving forward into whether or not it continues. As a, what feels at times, professional broke person, I completely sympathize with anyone listening who'd like to help but is not in a position to do so. Financially, I totally get it. It's all good. But since it is my birthday, I am going to allow myself something I would never do any other episode, any other week of the year. I'm going to push the fact that SoImWritingInNovel.com has a page literally called Support the Show. You can check it out. It's got ideas and things for how you could Support the show financially or not, you know, sharing the podcast anywhere you can think about it, including, say, those big groups like r slash fantasy. That'd be really cool. There's becoming a patron, obviously. But there's also one-off donations via Ko-Fi or coffee. everyone pronounce that, or PayPal. Uh, in fact, there's even an Amazon wish list linked to on there because a great way to influence my work is to buy me books because anything I read, something usually, you know, filters out of that into my brain, floats around and comes back out in my writing somewhere and writing a nice review on Apple Podcasts. I'm not sure if it makes a huge difference, but I'm not sure if it doesn't. So, yeah, true story. And so, with all that being said, I will close this by saying a very sincere, I promise you, I really am grateful, thank you. For listening whether this has been your very strange first episode or your 43rd plus you've listened to all the bonus stuff on the patreon yeah it's really validating and good for me in all the ways i mentioned earlier about mental health and all that good stuff so yes thank you ever so much and thank you to those of you who are already supporting uh, the patreon or otherwise doing that kind of thing i have empirically had a better past year than i would have otherwise all right if everything comes together the way it's supposed to and i've recorded the interview already so it should. The next episode will be part one in a whopping two-part mega-interview with author David C. Smith, someone who had the good fortune to write Sword and Sorcery during the second wave boom in the 70s through early 80s. It was a real treat talking with David, and I think you'll have a great time listening. Until then, I don't have a catchy sign-off. Maybe next year.